blessing as always. It's good to hear it. And so this time, uh, we're going to let Richie Brower have the next of the time, rest of the time. And, uh, and if you don't know Richie, um, he is uh, leader of the Pathfinders. And come on up here. There's uh, Adventurers. Adventurers. Yeah. He's got a big role <clears throat> to play. And uh, I'll let him go ahead and share what else he wants to share. But All right. Thank you, Richie. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, church family. It's good to be back in Bonner's Ferry, and I'm just, it's fun to be surrounded by friends. I look here, and I, friends going back years and years from Pendleton, Oregon, and Camp Mivadin, and been up here with my wife um, speaking to you sometime back, and so it's good to be, it's good to be back with you here in Bonner's Ferry, and um, I just want to say a couple things. I heard, uh, Jeff, you talking about a letter from our conference president if you haven't read that, um, I would just say, please do, and keep our leaders at the conference office in prayer. Um, there's always reason for that. Uh, I think we're blessed with a president who is a man of prayer and faith and vision and determination, and all of those are going to be needed because just as things in the nation are in upheaval, there are major challenges facing um, the conference and uh, we would covet your prayers, and I know our leaders especially would. So I don't necessarily count myself. I get to work with people who work with kids, which is a great place to be in, um, and I want to talk to you about some of that this morning. But I also just want to say <clears throat> I've been blessed. I can't remember the last time that I visited a church, and I was so blessed by the stories shared in the prayer time. And, and I just said, so who's taking the membership card to the dump this next week? Because clearly God has marked her to be a part of your family. So I hope someone will follow up on that and just say, you know what? We have a warm, loving family of people and we'd love to have you be part of it and um, let her grow into her new family. Seems like God has chosen her. I'd like to pray with you and then I want to share. You've kind of already started my sermon for me, so I may jump ahead on some parts, but let's bow our heads one more time and pray. God, thank you for the rain that continues to fall. Um, we ask for the rain of your Holy Spirit to be poured out as well on this community, and I hear the evidence that it is. And we think of another hymn, Showers of Blessing. Lord, we, we hear the pitter-pat, but we're waiting for the deluge of your Holy Spirit, and we ask that you would open our minds this morning as we think about how you have promised us this work would be finished in Bonner's Ferry and the surrounding communities at this time in history. We ask that you would open our minds and convict our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm starting a timer <clears throat> because I have a hard time not going way over time on this. So this morning, I'd like to talk to you about becoming trusted sources in a world of fake news. And I want to begin, we'll see if this is going to work here. I'm hitting my clicker, but nothing is happening up there. <clears throat> Aha, there we go. I just want to ask you a question, and the children's story tied right into this as well. And my question is for each of you individually, and for you corporately as the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Bonner's Ferry, and my question is this, why are you here? Why are you here? 
And we could ask, you know, um, I didn't check the stats this morning, and I know, I know, we can have a conversation at Potluck about, you know, how they count. But here we are, after two years of watching over six million people lose their lives around the globe to a sickness, right? And yet we're here. Why? Why are you here? Why am I here? My answer to that question began... When I was eight and a half or nine years old, my sister, who's 10 years older than me, had come home from Milo Adventist Academy for a home leave, and my dad and I had driven her back to Milo. How many of you have ever even been to Milo? Okay, I've got a few. All right. One of the most beautiful places on earth in Southern Oregon there. And my family, my dad and I, my parents were divorced at this point. My dad and I were living just outside of Albany, Oregon. And so we got in our little Volkswagen square bag back and we started south and it's a long ways all the way down to Milo Academy from Albany and we made the drive down and then we turned around and we were heading home and it was late and we were tired. In fact, those were the days before seatbelts were mandatory, right? And so I had laid down with my head in my dad's lap, no seatbelt on me, no seatbelt on him and I had fallen asleep and we were almost home. We were about eight miles from home late at night on a Sunday night on I-5, Interstate 5, we are northbound on Interstate 5 when it happened. My dad, who for much of his life has had a problem staying awake at the wheel, went to sleep northbound on Interstate 5, 55, 60, I don't know how fast he was going, it was a Volkswagen, so probably not very fast, right? And uh, we'll say 60 miles an hour northbound, he falls asleep, and as he relaxes into sleep, the car begins to drift to the right. We're northbound, and the car begins, we heard this from people who saw it happen, they stopped, thankfully, and our car drifts over until it hits the shoulder, the gravel on the shoulder of the right-hand side of Interstate 5. And my dad, as soon as the tires hit gravel, he jerks awake. And the first thing he sees is a reflector coming at him at 60 miles an hour. And he does what any of us in this room would have done. He turns the wheel hard to the left to avoid the oncoming reflector. Well, what happened next was reported to us by a truck driver who watched it. The front tire, the front left tire, and then the front right tire as well, caught the pavement and the car began to turn. But in that moment, the rear wheels lost all contact with the pavement and were only on gravel. And the rear of the car swung around 180 degrees. And when the rear wheel also hit the edge of the pavement, our car flipped up into the air And turning in the air, flew across the two northbound lanes of I-5, across the left-hand shoulder, and landed on its wheels in the median between the north and southbound lanes of Interstate 5. The rear hatch had flown open, and somewhere in that process, Richie had flown out of the vehicle. I woke up laying on the white line of the left-hand side of the southbound lanes of Interstate 5. And I woke to the sound of a semi-truck jake brake as a semi-truck went right by my head. And I heard it hit the gas can that had also been thrown from our car. The next thing I heard 
was my dad kicking open the door and yelling, Richie, Richie, where are you? And I was now waking enough to make some smart remark for an eight and a half or nine year old because this was the second vehicle accident my dad and I had been in in 10 days time. This one far more serious. My dad, who had stayed in the vehicle but without a seatbelt, had broken a couple little spines that were coming off the vertebrae of his neck. And so he got to wear one of these collars for the next, I don't know, six or eight weeks. Um, I, on the other hand, I got a free ride in an ambulance, the first and only of my entire life, to the hospital, which was great because they served jello in ER if you're a kid, and that was fantastic. And at the end of the evening, our pastor came to get me from emergency. My, we left my dad in the hospital overnight. I walked out of the hospital that night. I had no broken bones. I had only a few minor scrapes and a few sore places, as you can imagine. And I'd lost my glasses, which we found in the weeds the next day. And as I walked with my pastor, Pastor Sid Nelson, out of ER and out to his car, something grabbed hold of my young heart and it transformed my life. Because that night, as I walked away from the hospital with only slight bruising and a few scratches, I realized my life has been spared for a purpose. There is some reason for me to be here because there is no reason that I'm still here. Now, about, about 10 years later, I was working at Camp Myvenin, summer camp staff, and my dad got sent to bad driver school in the, by the state of Oregon because it wasn't going better. Uh, I don't remember what he did this time, but anyway, there was enough infractions that he got sent to bad driver school. And my dad wrote me a letter. Now, kids, you don't know what that is, but um, it's something we used to do that involved a pen and paper, things you're not familiar with. But my dad wrote me a letter and actually sent a physical handwritten letter on paper to me at Camp Myvedon. And I remember exactly where I was. as I was about 19, 20, somewhere in there. I opened this letter on the dock down at the water front of the camp, and I'm reading this letter from my dad, and in the letter, my dad says, oh, by the way, I got sent to bad driver school, and it's not school to become a bad driver, it's school because you are a bad driver, uh, just for the record, and I, one of the things I learned in bad driver school was the importance of a seatbelt, and that when someone is ejected from the vehicle in an accident, only one in four survive. Recently had that confirmed in St. Mary's by the head of the emergency nursing team there in St. Mary's. And I remember sitting on the dock. It was a sunny, warm day at camp, holding that letter in my hands, and once again being reminded my life was spared for a purpose. Why are you here? Why? For what purpose has God delivered you? For what purpose has God put you in this place in St. Mary's, Idaho? (laughs) I see how this is going to go. All right, I'm just going to keep walking down the aisle. Are you clicking it for me? Is that what happened last time? I have no control at all. (laughs) There we go. 
Jesus had to think about this same question, familiar story, familiar verse, and um, I'm not going to do it from memory. Would it be easier if I just said click for you guys? I'm good either way. If we can go one more time. There we go. Jesus, you know the story. Jesus walks into his hometown synagogue. And he stands up to read, to read, and he chooses this passage from the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads this passage. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of the sight, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus